You're listening to the Great Synth 68 Podcast, the dedicated Birmingham City women's audio show bringing you the latest news and interviews from the club. Enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 75 of the Great Synth 68 Podcast, the dedicated weekly women's football podcast about all things Birmingham City. I'm joined this week by Chris and Kaz. Kaz, how have you been? I'm all right, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. How about yourself, Chris? Yeah, good, thank you. Happy New Year to you, Kaz, and all the listeners. Absolutely. Happy New Year 2020. The new decade is upon us. We start this week's show by looking at the news from the past seven days. The first story is Birmingham City have signed English attacking midfielder Emma Kelly. The 22-year-old joins the Blues from Icelandic side IBV Vestamana Ijar. She spent also time in the northeast of England with Sunderland and Middlesbrough. I believe you know a bit about the new signing, Kaz, from your time up north. Obviously, Blues fans would have seen her a couple of games um, when she played first against the Blues for Sunderland. Um, but I'm more up to date with her like, the, like when she played for Middlesbrough. Obviously, supporting the Borough. Fantastic player going forward. She probably will fit into this side pretty easily um, once fitness is back up to date. And I'm really looking forward to this one. You might need a translator if I ever interview her. Because obviously, two northeast accents, you know what I mean? So, yeah, hopefully. We haven't had any complaints yet about your, your accent, Kaz, so presumably she's going to be as easy enough to understand as well. It's very fluid the way we attack nowadays. There's a, there's not necessarily one striker who's the pinpoint, the, the pinnacle of the pivot the pivot of the attack, I guess. Um, we've got a lot of players who rotate in the positions in the top four positions or so. Do, do you think that's going to be the case, Kaz, or do you think she's going to be the one that they're going to try and test out as the focal point of the attack? Like I said, she can she plays anywhere f- midfield up front. Uh, I'd like to see her, Abby and Rachel link up. See what that would bring. Obviously, we know Abby's fast. Emma's quite pacey herself as well. And then, then you've got the more experienced, shall we put it, of Rachel. Um, yeah. So I would, especially, I can't see her playing against Redden. Maybe he's on the bench, but I'd like to see that combination. Maybe he's against Chef. United in the cup. Welcome Emma to the club of course and hopefully she is the first of several signings during this transfer window. Next up is the FA Cup and as you mentioned Birmingham City have been drawn away to Sheffield United in the fourth round of the competition. The Blades are now second in the Women's Championship and it should be a stern test for Marta Tejador's side. I'm pretty sure our fourth round match last season was one of Marta's first games in charge of the Blues Crest. She won that one, a 3-1 win over Yeovil Town. Do you expect a similar result this time around? Um, I think it'd be tough. Um, you know, obviously Sheffield United are having a having a fantastic season so far um, in the championship. You know, they're they're putting in place a, a, a structure at the club that that they want to see in in the top division at some point sooner rather than later. Um, you know, and they've got they've got players that that we know well, Kate Wilkinson and um, Maddie Kusak as well. So. Um, yeah, it'll be a, it'll be a tough test. I think we went there last season in the Conti Cup, if I remember rightly, uh, and we won two nil. Um, so yeah, I I don't think we'll uh, I don't think it'll be a rollover by any stretch of the imagination. Um, you know, I think I think it'll be tough. We, we'll have to go there and with with our best team available and and play our best to to progress. Yeah, absolutely, and of course, you'll get to see a friend of the show, Rich Laverty, who currently works at who? Sheffield United. Who? who? A friend who? of yours. Who? 
I don't think he listens to the show. You'll be, you'll be all right, Chris. Um, <laughs> oh, he listens. He listens. <laughs> uh, next up is potentially a huge bit of news and not one we would have liked to read, Chris. Birmingham City, from the looks of things, are in a bit of financial trouble once again. Tell us, Chris, as our residence numbers guy on the podcast, what's happened and what potential effects could it have on the women's side? The accounts for for Blues up to the 30th of June 2019 were released and the numbers aren't pretty. Um, they've shown, uh, I think, I think uh, an operating net loss of, of around about eight and a half million pounds. That does include a, a 17 and a half million pound profit on sale of, of St. Andrews, the stadium. Um, you know, so if you take that out of the equation, you're looking at, you're looking at around about 20 odd million loss again. Um, it's down on the 37 from the previous year. Um, obviously, this is only to the 30th of June 19. So we've had another six months since then where players have gone and um, you know wages will have been reduced from last year as well. But you know the numbers aren't good for for any football club to to be in that sort of state. But you know you you look up and down the up and down the division, and, and a lot of clubs are in that state. Um, Chelsea also released their financial statements, and and that included a, I think it was a twenty-eight million pound payoff for uh, Antonio Conte and his coaching staff. So just just to get rid of their manager and his coaching staff was exactly the same sort of loss that we made in the whole year as, as Blues. Obviously, it's it's a completely different end of the spectrum, but um, it just shows the the reliance that football clubs have on their owners now, um, and and the people who run run who own the companies. Um, that's the same in the men's game and the women's game. You know, I don't. I think we made a sixty thousand pound profit the women's side to June eighteen. I noticed that the June 19 accounts haven't been released yet. They've got until the end of March to release them. Um, but we are overdue on a confirmation statement, which is purely a piece of paper saying that nothing has changed in the year, which is slightly concerning. Um, hopefully that's just a administrative slip-up and somebody's forgot to file it. But there's a lot of money owed to the holding company. Um, but as I say, that's the same with, with an awful lot of football clubs up and down the country. Um, the implications on the women's side, I don't think have changed dramatically in the last 12 months since the last financial statements were released. Um, any money that goes to the women's side, it's my understanding that that doesn't affect the men's club's profit and sustainability under FFP rules. Um, so I don't think the the current financial statements that have just been released will have any bearing on what the men can put into the club. Obviously, it's whether they want to or will put any money into the club. That is the million-dollar question. Yeah, absolutely. And as you say, they've sold the... Um... The rights to the stadium. You can only do that one, one uh, once, of course, and that's yeah. um, that's that's something they're going to have to consider going forward. And 
it, it, it leaves you in a bit of a fragile state. We saw what happened at Coventry. Uh, um, coincidentally, you could play them in the FA Cup in the men's game. Yeah. Um, obviously, they they lost their stadium with uh, disputes over rights of the stadium. So when things turn sour, and it seems like it's turned a bit sour between the fans and the ownership group at the moment, it could it could end badly. But um, yeah, going back to the women's side, as you say, it does, doesn't affect the women's side how much money they can put into the club, but it it could work in the opposite way that they whatever money the women's side makes could go back into the men's club. I think there were suggestions or innuendo rumours, whatever you want to call it, that some of the money from Emma Follis's uh, transfer costs went into the men's club. So it, it, it's it's worrying when you hear stuff like that, Chris, that they can they can take with one hand but they won't give it back with the other. Yeah, I suppose when you when you label yourself as with a one club motto, um, it leads itself to that possibility, doesn't it, that people people think that you're going to use whatever you get off the women's side to, to to fund the men's. I'd like to think that the fact that we've brought in Emma Kelly suggests that we're not in any immediate danger of of the of anybody pulling the plug on the club. However, I do recall Notts County buying three or four players the week before they decided to fold, which was the week before the season was going to start. So um, I know it. I know it could happen. I know it has happened. But obviously, you know, there's the fact that we're we're halfway through the season. We've just brought in another player. Would would suggest to me that you know, and and obviously maybe I'm just being optimistic, but it would suggest to me that nobody's planning on on getting rid of. The, the the money being put into the club as yet. I think there was a note in the uh, 2018 accounts to say that 400 and I think it was 450 odd thousand was you know in writing was going to be put into the club in the year to June 19. So let's wait until the June 19 accounts for the women comes out and see what the note says there. We'll move on now. Then before we go into the Arsenal game. Uh, we can now reveal the results of our Twitter poll for the team of the decade. This is uh, what Chris got up to over the holidays. Uh, a lot of good work Chris put in to get into this together. Uh, for those on social media who follow us on there, you may already know the result, but it's worth going over again as the new decade begins. Our team of the decade voted by you, the listeners, is anne Catherine Berger in goal, with a back four of Keris Harrop, Laura Bassett, Aoife Mannion and Jess Carter, a midfield of Joe Potter, Hayley Ladd and Jade Moore. And finally, a front three of Rachel Williams, Ellen White and Karen Carney. We may all differ on maybe one or two picks, Kaz, but this is a hell of a team we've put together. Oh, God, could you imagine that team now? That'd be some midfield, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think it wins the league, like, doesn't it? Oh, God, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Ellen White up front and then you've got the likes of Joe Potter, Jade Moore and Hayley Ladd, who probably are the three best English, well, English slash Welsh midfielders in the league. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, with Ellen up front, with Rach, yeah, that's just like incredible, isn't it, really? Absolutely. On to the Arsenal game then, and it was a 2 0 defeat at Meadow Park in which Kim Little and Jordan Nobbs got the goals. You were there at the game, Kaz. Just share with us your thoughts on the game and how it all played out. Two very, very sloppy goals conceded by us. Um, Players having disagreements on the pitch and shouting at each other in the first half, which weren't great. Uh, we should have had at least two penalties. The ref was giving us literally nothing. Second half was a hell of a lot better. We shut up shop and stuff, so at least the defence sorted itself out. 
second half, I thought Miedemar should have possibly seen a yellow slash red card for the elbow on Harriet Scott, which literally no media section has put out. I thought it was a really bad um, elbow. You could see the girl was in pain and you could see the blood coming from her as well. That was it, really. There was like, I think it was Claudia Walker's best game in a blue shirt. And that was my opinion uh, since joining from Everton. Yeah, so what you... What, what oh, go on, Karen. Go on, Kaz. Sorry. I think to like... It wasn't a bad game, if you know what I mean. But it wasn't the greatest game I've seen players have. No, it's one of those where the goal wasn't really early, but it was early enough for us to lose our game plan a bit. Once they score, we're really on the back foot because it's Arsenal. And you're not going to get many goals against Arsenal, even even at this early stage. And they they scored the goal. It was a ball over the top, played back into the box. And uh, Kim Little was left unmarked in the six-yard box, which is a danger for any side. And then the second was uh, Leo Williamson with a absolutely brilliant ball over the top for Jordan Nobbs, who hit it over the top of the keeper. Do you, do you think? Do you think the keeper should have done better, or was it was it just hit so quickly that she didn't have time to react to it? I've never criticised Hannah, but I don't know. For the first one, she could have came out for it. I think I think or... the first one's a bit harder because it's in the six yard box, and by the time it gets to her, she's not got much time to react either way. So that was a bit hard to about that but one, but yeah. One I thought, I, th- I think in her head she thought it was going over. Yeah, I, th- I think the way that she didn't put her arms times, up seemed to indicate that, yeah. It was a couple of times that Arsenal did use that move where they tried to lob the keeper and Hannah was like in no man's land. Uh, Hannah was absolutely... There could have been at least 5 6 nil up at the end. But credit yeah. to Hannah. I think she came out with the second, ha- the second half and thought, do you know what I mean? But apparently she was carrying an injury as well, so I don't know how true that was. Yeah. Well, I know that so, uh, Kieran Savum, friend of the show, was on um, the Offside Rule podcast, and he said that Hannah had another good game, apart from that, apart from the apart from the goal. So, yeah. yeah obviously, she's she's not letting any mistakes phase her at the moment, and that's good to see, and for her confidence as well. Um, oh, the result, yeah. absolutely. Um, the result leaves us in 10th position with seven points. Bristol City just behind us with six points and Liverpool at the bottom with just three points. Elsewhere, we saw wins, 1-0 wins for Bristol City and Brighton against Manchester United and Liverpool respectively. Did you see these results come as a bit of a shock to you, Chris? Um, the Brighton one, not so much. I think the Bristol one was, um, you know, I, I, I'd have expected Man United to come out of the traps quickly. You know, they obviously... Their game against us was postponed um, toward at the last at the end of the last last year. Um, you know, so they haven't played in a while. I would have expected them to come out, you know, all guns blazing. But for you know for Bristol to go there and, and keep a clean sheet did surprise me. Um, not not so much the Brighton one. I think Brighton are that sort of side that um, you know, obviously that's us and Liverpool. They've beaten at home now. Um, you know, so th- they seem to be able to to pick up those pick up those important victories against those around them, especially at home. So, um, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't massively surprised about that one. No, as you say, yeah, Brighton have beat us um, emphatically earlier in the season, and now they beat Liverpool uh, again by only one goal. So Liverpool again keeping that clean that not clean sheet, but keeping that goals down to a minimum, as we did against Arsenal. Luckily, um, before we move on, I thought we'd draw attention to the 
FA player, which seems to be getting worse as the season progresses. I don't know why. But for a good portion of the last 20 minutes of most games on the FA player on Sunday, they stopped working. So the Birmingham play, the Birmingham game, the Liverpool game, games like that were completely unwatchable. It just said, we'll get back to you, technical difficulties. I don't think, I know we don't pay for it, Chris, but it, it doesn't seem good enough for the top league, the professional league, the top league in England. Well, if, if, if there's, you know, if it's the, if it's the platform that the FA wants to get out there as the, as the platform to watch women's football, you know, wherever you are in the world, then, then it needs to be better than, than having technical difficulties for what, what seemed to be 20, 25 minutes at the end. You know, that's, you know, it has to be fixed. Obviously, you know, anybody can have technical difficulties, but it has to be fixed quicker than that. Um, as you say, it's 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 not a great advert for the game um, when you've got people tuning in and, and and they can't watch any of the games. So um, it, it's there now, and I don't think it's going to be going away. So ultimately, they need to they need to work on it and Im- and improve on it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I remember a case when it was the. Uh, England women's team, I think it was on BBC, that had like technical technical difficulties for about half a half a half. Yeah, back yeah. At, back uh, either the, earlier last year or the year before. I was away, wasn't it? In the yeah, it was, was a, it like Czech Republic or somewhere? Something but, like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, 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 it always seems to be women's games that it happens to. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the point, isn't it? It wouldn't, you know, you would not get away with it if Sky all of a sudden had, you know, when. When all those games were on Amazon Prime, say, for example, over Christmas in the Premier League, you know, if, if everyone was having technical difficulties for 25 minutes, Amazon Prime would be done for football forever. You know, there, there's no way anybody would touch them with a barge pole again. So, um, yeah, it's obviously the, you know, whether it's a, a cheaper option that they're running for the FA player, I don't know. But, yeah, they, they definitely need to improve on it. I don't know if it's just that there's more people using it now because when in the first few weeks I remember watching three matches at once on my on my internet which is the internet's pretty decent here mm. but and it, we had no problems and now it just seems like you can't even watch one game which is which isn't good enough mm. um, we'll end this week's show then by looking ahead to Sunday's game against uh, Reading it's always a tough place to go but we do have a good record at Adams Park in recent seasons two wins from our last three matches away from home against them. The most recent, unfortunately, was a defeat, and that saw us exit the FA Cup in the fifth round last season. I reckon this should be an equal equal game, fairly equal anyway, if the teams play as well as they can. Reading will be without their keeper, Grace Maloney, for the game after receiving a straight red card for a challenge on Chelsea striker Sam Kerr at the weekend. Gaz, did you see this one? It, she absolutely took her completely out. <laughs> uh, if, if I don't understand how she's only got a three-match ban for that, do you know what I mean? I've seen players get a six-match ban for doing something like that in the men's game. Uh, that was terrible. Like, why she didn't need to come out? If you look at Joe Potter's positioning, I think Grace Maloney just lost her head. I just seriously don't think she wanted to come and play against Birmingham. <laughs> she didn't want to chew off the fans because she obviously she'd go to her dad and tell her that we're picking on her. The reaction you saw on Joe Potter's face after it happened, she was just like, what have you done? Yeah. yeah it, it, it was a... It was a ridiculous challenge in my eyes. If that was our keeper, I wouldn't be playing her again for the rest of the season. I would say, though, that arguably Rachel Laws is a better goalkeeper and the fact that she will now start the game against us is um, slightly more of a challenge. And Reading now have 11 players, so hopefully (laughs) 
although Rachel Laws looked like she was going to get, um, she looked look, look, she took a knock in the game against uh, Chelsea. Chelsea, Chelsea. Sorry, yes, mine would have been a bit blank then. Uh, we won't be without our own injury issues though, with Karis Harrop and Brianna Vasali both likely to miss out again. Predictions time then. How do you see this going on the weekend, Chris? Why don't you take us uh, uh, go your pick first of all? Um, you know, I think that obviously, I, I think I agree with you guys as well that Laws is definitely as good a goalkeeper as Maloney, if not better for me. But the only saving grace that I'm going towards is that obviously, you know the. The way Reading have played all season, um, their defence will obviously be be used to playing in front of Maloney. So maybe there'll be a lack of communication, you know, with with, with a lack of game time for Laws. Um, I, I think we could definitely score there. Um, obviously, they've got dangerous players going forward as well. Um, it's whether we're up for the battle. Last year in the FA Cup, we weren't, especially in that second half. We lost the battle against Reading, which is why we ended up losing the game. If we're up for the battle, I could see us definitely getting a point. So I'm hoping that the girls will be will be up for the fight, uh, and I'll go one-one. Do you want to pick a goal scorer? Because I've gone for one-one as well. Oh, okay. Uh, of course you have. Um, <laughs> uh, it'll be Rachel Williams. Rachel Williams. Uh, how about you go for it next, Kaz? Two-one blows. 2-1 Blues, and I've gone for 1-1 one, one Birmingham City, so I'm going to go with goalscorer. Who who needs a goal? Claudia. Uh, yeah, Claudia. I'll go with Claudia, seeing as Kaz has suggested her. Okay, that's all for this week's. Thank you for everyone who's listened to the show this week. Please share it with your friends if you enjoyed it. Get in touch with us at GreatSense68 on Twitter if you want to share your own score predictions with us and we'll see you next time and that was the Great Sense 68 podcast to listen to future shows or listen back to our previous ones go to iTunes Google Podcasts Spotify or any other podcast platform you may use and search for Great Sense 68 and subscribe today thanks for listening and remember keep right on